0: everyone, my name is Michelle Campbell, and I'm the Senior Manager of School and Library Marketing here at Little Brown Books for Young Readers. Welcome to the LB School Podcast. Today we have a very special guest author joining us. His name is Jason Platt. He's a debut author and illustrator with Little Brown, and his first book with us is a new graphic novel called Middle School Misadventures. Welcome, Jason.
1: Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. We're excited to get to know you. Um, So one thing I wanted to talk about first, um, because this is your debut graphic novel with us, um, I'm just getting to know you, and so our listeners will just be getting to know you. Um, So I just want to see if you can tell us just a little bit about yourself and how you became a graphic novelist.
1: Sure, absolutely. Uh, I uh, grew up in uh, central Illinois, or actually like right on the Mississippi, but I, I grew up just, you know, just loving comics and uh, just, um, I mean, just like every other kid and, you know, I just loved watching cartoons and, and stuff like that. And these uh, cartoonists were like my heroes, you know, and I read like Peanuts and Garfield all of the time and would actually like um, <clears throat> cut out the strips in the newspaper and glue them onto a piece of paper and put them in a binder and uh, so I could look at them later. Uh, and stuff like that. So you've
0: been making books for a while.
1: Yeah, kind (laughs) of. Yeah, I was kind of making my own collections of them, so I could always go back and and revisit the the artwork that they did. And actually, it's it's funny because my mom realized that I loved drawing when I was five years old because uh, back in the day, uh, I had this this old um, chalkboard desk, and I was actually drawing a train and I got the caboose and I didn't really know how to draw the caboose. And so I asked my mom if she could help me out because, you know, she's a grown up, She knows how to draw. And <laughs> I asked her how to draw the caboose and I could see like, I could actually see like the, the anxiety like waved over her as she went over and grabbed the chalk and nervously drew a caboose. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, my five-year-old self. Looked at it, and I said, "That's not a caboose," and I <laughs> erased it, oh, no. <laughs> and then drew a caboose. And that's when my mom <laughs> knew that uh, I had an interest in, in drawing. Uh, so it's one of, that's one of my favorite stories I like to, to tell. Um, but then as I, I grew older, I, I loved uh, like reading Mad Magazine and uh, looking, reading the parodies and making me laugh, and especially looking at the artwork uh, and. Um, just and I loved reading. Loved reading. And so combining those two was like a, a really fun treat. And it was really exciting as I got older and like graphic novels started really take form mm-hmm. of how they're able to take long form storytelling and combine it with visuals. And it was just like I remember like I got, like, one collection from Toys R Us when I was a kid, and I wanted more of stuff like that, but it was hard to find back in that time. I think that was, like, in, like, 83 or 84. That was, like, before, like, it really hit big.
0: Yeah, graphic novels have become um, hugely popular these days, and I think it's it's fantastic. And, frankly, this is—I'm sad to admit this, but I didn't read a graphic novel— until I was an adult working in publishing having to read graphic novels. <laughs> um, but I think I, I think now I I get that I was missing out 100%. Um, I not that I just didn't choose them naturally for whatever reason. But I like that they're becoming, you know, more, you know, teachers and librarians, especially are encouraging their students, you know, if are struggling with reading or they have a specific interest, to, they're really, you know, reaching towards graphic novels now as a source of getting kids to love reading because I think that's very important. And if the entry Absolutely. point is a graphic novel, I, I personally think graphic novels are one of the like, hardest art forms and formats of telling a story because there's so much involved on the creator's part. Um, <laughs> So I, there is so much involved. Like I had, I just admire graphic novelists so much. Um, but I'm just glad that you know they're getting the reputation that they deserve because for so long people but, hesitated with them for whatever reason.
1: Absolutely, I, I think that comes like from like the like the early attitudes towards like comics mm-hmm. and comic books, like in the 1930s. Uh, you know, it was uh, like you said it takes a lot of work on the creator's end, uh, the writing and the drawing, but uh, when they first, like, were producing comic books, you know, they would produce them on this really cheap paper, mm-hmm. you know, just to be able to, you know, stretch their dollars, and I think that kind of added into, like, the concept of, like, how much, of, you know, it was worth. Uh, as an art form and Mm -hmm. and I I think it's finally like caught up where um when I look at like when I got my copies of middle school misadventures and I was like looking at the paper and the colors I was like wow this looks (laughs) so good you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I think I'll like, like, um, oh,
0: go ahead. Oh, I was just going to just agree with you, like to your point that, you know, now people are putting they're investing more in the paper quality the, and yeah. the color quali- quality, the inking, you know, all of the things that go into a great graphic novel. And so people are taking notice of that, too. Absolutely. And kind of going on like with
1: like um, like introduction, like the reading uh, for kids. Uh, graphic novels also offer something that uh, a traditional prose book mm-hmm. doesn't offer, and that's the um, the nonverbal that mm-hmm. happens within the book as well. Because not only are you reading like what... Uh, a character is saying but you're reading their expression. They might not even be saying something but as as you're reading it, you know maybe like what they're thinking by the expression that they have. You know, are they happy, or are they sad, or are they anxious or or whatnot. So there there's a lot going on besides just, you know, words and and fun pictures. There's a lot uh, of expression to
0: read. And I think that is just growing like increasingly necessary for kids to be able to um, see that as I know most kids start reading with like picture books and board books and things like that and there are very expressive faces that kids will gravitate towards like Elmo or, you you know, and they have really high eyebrows and, you know, so you can tell like what they're, they're feeling at a certain time and I think, you know, after a while, you just lose that because then you're only reading prose, and while it's wonderful to you know build that picture in your own mind and your imagination, it's also important, I think, to keep using that other skill that you leave behind once you leave the picture book world. So I think it's, I think Absolutely. it's important. So <laughs> I'm glad that <laughs> we are publishing more and more because I think it's, I think they're helpful in many, many ways.
1: I, I just love. Uh, going through and just looking at uh, the different books that are available for kids and um, like Jeff Smith's bone mm-hmm. and uh, Terry Levinson's books. And uh, they're just so much fun to, to look at in the, to- like you said, it's like it's growing so much. It's so
0: exciting. It is. I love it. <laughs> okay, so let's talk <laughs> just a little bit more about your graphic novel now, um, Middle School Misadventures. So before we start talking about the book, can you remind me how to pronounce the main character's name so I don't mispronounce <laughs> it? <laughs> Absolutely. It's probably
1: no, it's, really It's easy. a different
0: name, isn't it? Yes, it's interesting. <laughs> Where did it come from?
1: <laughs> uh, that, that's a great question. And I'll, I'll kind of like okay. uh, answer both of them at the at the same time. The, the main character's name is Newell. Newell. And, yeah. And the reason why his name is that way is because the, the character's actually uh, based off of my son and his name is Wyeth and W-Y-E-T-H. Okay. And he's actually named after... Uh, the illustrator from the turn-of-the-century N.C. Wyeth. Okay. And he did, like, the, the cover work for, like, Robinson Crusoe, Treasure Island, all these, like, really high adventure illustrations, you know, back in the day. And um, I didn't want to name the character Wyeth because that's, that's obviously too close. But I thought it was really cool. I found out that the N.C. in N.C. Wyeth was Newell. And so uh, N.C. Wyeth's first name was oh, actually yeah. Newell. So it was kind of like taking both of those inspirations and, and uh, using
0: them like that. Okay, so now we know how to pronounce Newell. Is... Correct. Okay. <laughs> I paused a little bit. I'm sorry. So, Newell. Okay, so let's talk more about Newell. So, he's always getting into a ton of trouble and misbehaving just a little bit and just having a lot of fun and mocking his teachers. Um, and so, it gets to the point where he might have to go to summer school, which I I used to go to summer school for fun. But a lot of kids don't like to go to summer school, and that's certainly not something that he wants to do. Um, but I'm just wondering, now, I guess, having... I guess now we know your um, the character is really based off of your son, but I'm wondering, too, if you put just a little bit of yourself into him as well and, like, what your middle school experience was like and how much of that is in the story and how much of your son is a part of this, too. Oh,
1: my gosh. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The uh, The character, Newell, while he's, he's based off of my son, it's a loosely based um, <laughs> character. Uh, and... Yeah, definitely. There's um, there's a lot of my experiences uh, told throughout this whole story, and I, I think that any any writer uh, of any genre of any style, you know, they they take their experiences and they uh, their experiences are almost like a big ball of yarn, you know. And and as they're telling their story, they can't help but use that yarn within this this pattern that they're, that they're creating. And you you just take what you know and do what you you use and your experiences and how you you have felt in that situation and uh, that a character might be in. And I I definitely did that. Well, I I never went to summer school either. um, It was one of those things as a kid that always bloomed over all of us kids (laughs) when we were young because it's like summer school. Oh, my gosh. You know, (laughs) that was like the last thing you wanted, you know. I don't want to go to summer school and you know, we obviously knew kid that, that did and you know, um uh, we definitely understood. We never it's one of those things they never made fun of someone right. who went to summer school, but no one no one, you know, wanted that for them or for themselves. So I think it's a natural uh concern that almost any kid has, you know. Yeah. Well kind not like he's not like a Troublemaker by any means. Uh, he's just kind of rambunctious, like any any boy or girl that's out there. And uh, um, he's got this. He's led up into the situation where he's got a choice to make of whether he's going to go to summer school or participate in the school's talent show. And uh, for any kid, I think that would be a no-brainer. But at the same time, you know, the the idea of uh, getting in front of a, the whole you know student body and their parents and grandparents watching that, that's that's a little nerve-wracking. So uh, it kind of hits on on a couple different nerves that, you know, uh, public speaking or summer school, what's worse, you know?
0: I think public speaking. But I'm glad that that that's addressed in this book because I think it's important because a lot of kids— in an adults, you know, everyone has their own obstacles in life to overcome. Um, and some of them are yeah. more inherent or more um, pervasive than others. So I think it's important to address those at all levels. And I think the element of humor that you have throughout this story, I think really, really helps with that anxiety as well. So I think the the balance oh, is you. nice. Yeah, at the, at the same time, um,
1: I thought it was kind of important and, I mean, it's important, but it's also you know using it for uh, comedic reasons too, uh, because uh, Newell does um, decide to do the talent show, uh, but then he's got the dilemma of not really having a talent to showcase, mm-hmm. um, and so then there's the conundrum of trying to find a talent, and it's so he, he's so excited for everybody else who has a talent to showcase, but seeing like his friends. Coming up with ideas so quickly and easily is so discouraging for him because he doesn't have anything, mm-hmm. and and I think that's kind of a uh, a thing too, where there are kids and adults who might feel that they don't have anything to offer, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's encouraging in a way to know that um, that there are other people who feel the same way, and here's Newell kind of struggling himself and trying to find his voice. Um. Uh, through this,
0: through this turmoil, basically, right? <laughs> no, I think it's. I think it's absolutely necessary and important to to share these stories so that kids can relate to them, whether they, you know, are struggling with anxiety for whatever reasons or you know, whether they are going to summer school or, you know, having, you know, just interpersonal skills between friends. I think that, you know, this graphic novel sort of addresses all of those things, which I think is wonderful. So we talked just a little bit about um, your creative process um, and how I'm so in all of it, essentially. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I just want to say hear a little bit more, like, in detail about all of the things that go on behind the scenes in your studio or wherever you are creating um, your stories. Um, So I'm just wondering if you can share just a little bit more about that. Particularly, I've always wondered this about um, graphic novelists. Um, Just, like, how do you decide what you communicate with pictures versus what you communicate with words?
1: Okay, that, that's a great question, um, and what's, what's kind of interesting is that uh, I have, like, my, my own way of how I, how I do things, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't make it the quote-unquote right way, uh, because, mm-hmm. like, um, if there's a kid out there who is interested in, in producing something themselves, uh, they may – I think it's awesome for them to, like, look at teachers and mentors to uh, see how they do things, but it may not work to them personally. You know, they may right. uh, find out that uh, a different pencil works for them better than what their teacher uses, um, and that's just a small example. But um, but that's a, that's a really great great question, and to be honest with you, I love um, I love it when other artists and cartoonists like show pictures of their studios. And I love seeing, like, their process, too, because um, it gets me excited about the process. And I might learn something new, and maybe a new technique uh, that I can incorporate into my own work. Um, so even though uh, I'm creating stuff right now, I still love learning. And I love mm-hmm. uh, taking new ideas all the time. But anyway, it's kind of a, it's a really hard process. I mean, it's a great and fun process. But it is. It is a hard process because you um, have to come up with your story, mm-hmm. uh, and then the visuals that come along with it, and then combining both of those together so they flow really well. Um, and much like uh, like the special effects in a movie, mm-hmm. um, the best special effects that you see in a movie are the ones that you don't notice right. uh, and the ones that just flow in and out. And then to the point where you're like, wait, that was a special effect? And it's almost the same way when you're reading a graphic novel. You want, like, the the, the visuals and, like, the, the text bubbles, the flow really even. Where it kind of, like, um, uh, where the reader's eyes just kind of flow along the page. But um, like usually what I do... Um, I will I will come up with a story in my head, um, and I know that there are like some uh, people who like will write the complete script out, almost like a, like a movie script with like page numbers and actions and then dialogue, uh, almost like a play, uh, and then go from there. But uh, I I do what I call it's what it is what uh, is a in my own terminology. I use what's called tent poles, and a tent pole is almost like. Um, like the header in an outline and uh, not so much like with chapters, but like big plot points, things that you see happening within the story. So like with middle school misadventures, uh, a tentpole is uh, Newell realizing that he might be able to go to, he might go to summer school. And my thought as a writer uh, and illustrator is how do I get him there? How do I, how do I get him in that situation? And for me, it's, that is a ton of fun. Um, to get the characters to that pole. Um, much like, um, like with Albert Hitchcock, uh, when he would make movies, uh, Albert Hitchcock, the uh, famous movie director from the 50s, actually like probably the 30s to the 70s, was heavily involved with like the script writing uh, and with storyboard and obviously shoot the film. Um, but he would also have been noted in saying that Uh, his favorite time in the process was writing the script and doing the storyboards. And because that's where he was being really creative and like setting up the shots and like post-ups and, you know, lighting and costumes and stuff like that. So by the time he actually got to shooting the film, it was a little, it was a little lackluster for him and a little boring because uh, he had already shot the whole film in his head. Um, And so... Not that I'm 100 percent the same way, but uh, I can I can write out a script of what's happening in the story. But sometimes uh, I will take my actors, uh, the characters in the in the book, and I'll basically kind of throw them into the scene, almost like a like an improv troupe, like at your school, mm-hmm. and say, "This is your scene. Let me see what you're going to do." And uh, sometimes the characters will will say something or do something that I couldn't even think about while writing a script that it will change the progress of how the scene is going and so well um, and that's just my personal take is that I don't really like to write like a full script because mm-hmm. uh, the characters may change something on the fly uh, that I find more funny than, yeah. <laughs> than what I could have come up with um, so uh, I, I kind of like treat the characters in the, in the book like like actors um, with their own personalities and, you know, uh, characteristics that they bring to the table. And uh, that's one of the best things. Like, when I've always heard when I, was, I remember when I was a kid, and I would hear authors say, um, I was writing this, this character saying this line, but the character didn't want to say it like that. And so I wrote it how the character wanted it said. And I never really understood that until I got older and was writing my own stuff. And then it kind of becomes true. that the, Your character's... Um, kind of become themselves, uh, and while you can control them, sometimes they will do things that will please you as a creator, like, you know, and just make you just feel on top of the moon, because it's like, wow, they did something I didn't expect. Um, so I will, I will actually write as I draw, um, and I use a, um, a drawing program uh, called Corel Painter, and there's a lot, there's a ton of different programs out there uh, that artists use for the comics and graphic novels, and that's just one that I, I prefer because I like the uh, how the the media looks um, like the like wet or dry media that you can actually find, mm-hmm. and I like I mean, how it handles better. But um, I will I will pencil the whole thing mm-hmm. page by page and add in the the text at the same time because. The, um, as I'm adding in the dialogue, sometimes it'll change like how big the, the panels are and wanting to make sure that they fit. Um, and that's one of the, the benefits of, for me, working digitally is that uh, if something isn't going right within a panel um, and I need to make the panel smaller or bigger, um, it's easier to, to make those edits uh, than having to like redraw the whole thing um, on a physical piece of paper. Um, and so I will uh, write and draw the whole thing out as I go. And when I finish a page, uh, I will save it out, but then I will place it in in, in, in design document that I have. Mm-hmm. And so then I can actually scroll through the pages as I'm laying them out. And almost like uh, if you've ever seen like old like Disney how-to, how they like documentaries on their films, and you see like... Mm-hmm. And artist like, flipping through their animation to mm-hmm. see how it's going. Um, I'm kind of the same way when I look back at some of my pages, and I will kind of, like, look at the last three pages in my InDesign document, um, which is just a layout program. And and I can see the flow of those last few pages. And I know that one of the hard rules in, like, uh, in writing is try not to edit as you go along because... It, it slows the momentum down, but I found with uh, with working like this with graphic novels is that you don't really have the luxury of going to page 72 of your Word document and taking out a whole paragraph and have mm-hmm. it still work just fine because... If, let's say, I get done with 20 pages uh, drawing and penciling, and I look back and, like, oh, my gosh, page 5 doesn't flow well, Um, I need to add on two more panels to make it work right. And that's going to affect not only that page, but the panels on the top of page 6. And it's almost like putting... Like, let's say you stuff your, your your trunk of your car with all the groceries that you bought, and it fits perfect, and then you realize you forgot to buy something, you know, you forgot to buy some lettuce, and you run back in, and you buy the lettuce, and you got another bag, but it doesn't fit, you know?
0: Right.
1: Um, so, I want to make sure that uh i'll like work about like three pages and i'll look at the pacing and the flow of it and i have to really look at it critically um and make sure that like, the pacing is going well uh, because like the the page turns to me are just as important as uh the visuals and the dialogue mm-hmm. and sometimes like there's a moment like where the reader's going from the top left all the way down to the bottom right and then they turn that page, and there's like a surprise that happens,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, whether it's to the character or to spread. And sometimes, you know, if you have to make big edits, uh, um, it can disrupt that pattern and that flow. So, and then when that, all that's done, you, you go into inking the whole thing, and then the colors. So it's a it's a it's a lengthy process, but it it is a whole whole lot of fun.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your um, approach. Um, I think it's, I've learned a lot, so thank you. Um, and then I'm also, oh, absolutely. I'm also curious, like, who you've learned from recently. You know, you said that you're constantly looking um, to seeing how other artists approach things, and if anyone has been, um, you know, very impactful in, in how you approach um, creating graphic novels, if you've had any. Um, like role models or, you know, artists that you've admired and have um, have sort of, like, fall- taken a, a tidbit of what they do and added it to your process?
1: Oh, absolutely. It's uh, um, visuals and art form is, you know, we're, we're all... All of us, whether we're artists or not, we're always looking, you know. And you know, art is such a sub- opinionated um, thing that we all enjoy. You know, some someone may enjoy something while someone doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's really fascinating about you know individual people is that when a piece of artwork speaks to them, it speaks to them. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's a a, um, a greeting card or you know a painting in a museum. You know, if it touches you, you know, it's such an amazing thing to happen um but i guess like some of my my influences uh that i that i will often like uh be inspired from uh march drucker um was a caricaturist uh for mad magazine for years and uh he's only probably within like the last 10 years has he slowed down he just turned 90 and i remember as a kid um i just i loved looking at his his artwork and uh, I mean, I, I enjoyed the whole magazine, but there's something about his uh, his line work and how he, he drew people that just I just ate it up. I was just I would look at his work before I would read a word of the, the magazine, and I would I would just wonder like what he used uh, like. For his equipment, because I just—it it was just magic to me as a kid, um, you know. Because I only knew, you know, like just ballpoint pen and you know, typing paper when I was when I was young. But when I would see like professionals using their work, it's like wow, how mm-hmm. did they do that? And um, so he was probably like cartooning the, the real big influence for me. And the, like current days, he never did like any graphic novels. Mark Drucker, uh, he did. You know, the parody satire higher sections in that magazine. Um, but I'd probably say, uh, probably out of everybody, like someone who's current, um, I'd probably say Michael Jancy. Uh, he has a, a comic called The Norm, uh, which is kind of like a family uh, comic that you can find on Go Comics. But he came out with this book that took him, I think, about 10 years to create called Knocked Out, Loaded, and it was, when I read it, it just, I found it just fascinating, and I love the the line work, I love the colors, and um, some of the, Subconscious moments that he had in there uh, really spoke to me, um, not only as an artist but as just a reader. And I just found it his work just really enjoyable and inspiring. Um, but then also like Brian Lee O'Malley, who did um, uh, Scott Pilgrim, and he came out with a graphic novel. Uh, geez, I want to say maybe like five or six years ago called Seconds. Um, more more in the lines of like young adults. Mm-hmm uh, style graphic novels with him, but, um, his storytelling and artwork, uh, and colors, especially in in seconds, um, is really beautiful to look at as just as a piece of art. Um, while I was reading that, I was just, I loved it. It's really neat to, like I said, it's neat when a piece of art touches you like that. Mm,
0: Definitely. And I'm just remembering that, um, Your book, Middle School Misadventures, has been compared to Calvin and Hobbes, and I'm wondering if you were a fan (laughs) growing up.
1: Well, you know what's really funny? Uh, I've I've heard uh the— as uh, a comparison mm-hmm. um, for years. Uh, and I, it's, how can you not be compliment, take it as a compliment um, to be compared to someone as, as awesome as Bill Watterson? Um, uh, but what's, what's funny is that I never read Calvin and Hobbes until he was four years done making it. Uh, I never really, I knew that it was out there, but I never looked at it, which is really funny. I picked up her recommendation from a friend of mine down in Savannah, Georgia, uh, one of his collections. And um, I think I got, like, at the time, maybe, like three collections of his or something like that. And finally realized what the big deal was about. And when I started making my own comics, people were comparing me to um, his work. And I realized I needed just to uh, not look at his work anymore because I didn't want the, any subconscious influence happening. Uh, and as a gift... Uh, Someone gave me, like, the whole collection, hardback, wow. and which was just a terrific present. And I uh, I still have it, but it's actually in my son's room right now. Um, but I haven't really had a chance to really look at it because um, uh, I don't want that uh, any eye-to-hand inspiration to mm-hmm. accidentally have them. Um, but uh, – and actually, it's funny. I just um, – I think – I can't remember what it was. It was just – it was, like, a few years ago that – Someone was talking about Calvin Ball, and I kind of like shook my head because I didn't know what it was—the <laughs> um, the game that Calvin would play in the comics—and I was I was really embarrassed because I didn't know what they were talking about. Uh, but um, much like with uh, with Mort Drucker. Uh, Bill Watterson just has this amazing like uh, line weight with his uh, with his pen that he would make, and um, I'll tell you what: if you want to give yourself a treat, and if you're ever in Ohio, uh, visit the Billy Ireland Cartoon Museum, mm-hmm. and I think that's in the uh, oh boy, it's in one of their it's in the college campus okay. up there, and they have a lot of like original pieces from cartoonists all over. And Bill Watterson donated his whole collection, from what wow. I understand, to the museum. And they have a few pieces out on permanent display. And um, it's, it's a real treat to go in and, and look at these original pieces that, they, that he created. And actually, one of the best things that I like as an artist uh, with physical work is I love looking and seeing, like... The, uh, the faint, like pencil lines that a cartoonist mm-hmm. may have used uh, as their guide, or even better yet, mm-hmm. when they use like uh, like whiteout to correct like an ink uh, <laughs> splatter or a misline, and it's just like uh, it's just it's really encouraging as a as a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. Know that these uh, these superheroes uh, are human too, and that they uh, they change their mind and they um, uh, have a thought process and uh, with their pencils. It's just
0: it's so fascinating. Wow, that's so cool! I'll definitely have to check that out. I feel like I've learned a lot from you today, so thank you so much for sharing all of this information with us. So our time today is coming into an end, but before we go, oh, no. um <laughs> I'm sorry, Jason. But before we go, another tidbit I overheard in the office was that you are working on a sequel. And so I'm wondering if you can just give us a little preview into that.
1: Absolutely. Um, uh, It'll be the same group of characters uh, in Middle School Misadventures, and the official title of of the second book is Middle School Misadventures Operation Hat Heist. Uh, one, of the, one of the big rules, like, in, in schools is that uh, you can't wear hats okay. in school. And Newell has his favorite hat, um, and uh, it's it, the principal, Mr. Todd, takes it away. Mm. And this is the adventure of him getting that hat back.
0: Oh, cool. That sounds fun.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, I can't wait to read that. And I believe that that's coming out in...
1: Yeah, April 2020,
0: I think. Okay. Okay, so so now we've made it to the fire round. Um, So you'll get just 10 seconds to answer each question. Um, So make the most of those seconds. Okay, question number one. Um, So we know that you're a talented storyteller and artist. But if you couldn't show that in a talent show, what else would you show instead?
1: Uh, Probably acting or um, juggling. Uh (laughs) I've been in the theater for about 30 years, so I love the stage.
0: Oh, wow. That's awesome. Okay, so question number two. What is the last thing that you binge watched?
1: Last thing? Probably um, How I Met Your Mother.
0: Ooh. I probably
1: watched that maybe like, I probably watched that maybe like, Once every couple of years, it's a really special show. So I I don't like to watch it all the time. But when I do, I I watch the whole thing.
0: (laughs) Okay. So question number three, who was your favorite teacher in middle school?
1: I would probably have to say, you know, not so much middle school, but uh, in high school, Scott Price uh, was my theater teacher and he he literally changed my life and uh, um, I wouldn't be where I am today. Uh, if it wasn't for his class and his direction, it was just an amazing experience and um, really grateful.
0: And question number four Do you have a favorite writing, drawing, or reading habit?
1: I don't know if I have an actual writing habit but uh, of anything, but when it comes like, to writing and drawing, Just making sure that I do it every day. Um, Consistency will make you stronger, and uh, it will make your stories even better.
0: And last question. If you could tell your younger self one thing, what would you say? I think
1: believe in yourself. It's okay to have encouragement and belief from others, but it has to come from you first.
0: Very good advice. Well, that's it now for our podcast, guys. Thanks everyone for listening. And a special thank you to Jason for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you so much. Thank
1: you so much for having me.
0: Yay. Thank you so much, Jason.